In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning. We are going to look at faith, the aspects, the three aspects of what would be called living faith, saving faith, good faith. Before we do that, we want to welcome Danny and Leon back from Poland. We're glad you got back safely and are among us today. The Greek woman that had this repartee with Jesus in our gospel had great faith. She was desperate. Her daughter was in desperation, and she not only believed that Jesus could, in fact, heal her daughter, she did something about it. So she had a certain belief that Jesus could, She came to Jesus and bowed before him and trusted herself to Jesus. And so she had a great commitment in order to get her daughter healed. And her faith prevailed, and in fact her daughter was healed. In the book of James today, it says, Faith, if it is by itself, without works, is a dead faith. Now I grew up in a tradition that emphasized faith so much that it was almost not a good thing to do any good works because somehow it might get all mixed up. But there's no unclarity about faith living itself out in good works in James or in Paul or in Jesus, and I intend to speak a little bit about that. Well, Faith has at least three aspects for it to be living, good, true faith. The first is simple belief, that we trust that something is true. We, we believe that something is intellectually to be true. But there's more than that because the next aspect is actually trust. Trust is not just intellectual, it's personal. It's relational. Now, if you have a child, you may believe that someone could take care of your child. But it's a lot different than entrusting your child to their care and driving off and leaving your child with them. Because trust is personal, relational. There's a lot more on the line. And so not only do we believe and trust in God and everything he has done for us in Jesus Christ... We entrust ourselves, our lives, our will, our plans, our heart to God. So belief, trust, and the third aspect is commitment or fidelity. Fidelity. It's interesting to note that Martin Luther actually replaced the word in his day that was normally used for faith, the Latin fide. Fide was the intellectual acceptance of a list of propositions, like, I believe, the points of the creed. But Martin Luther emphasized the fact that fiducia, that fidelity, that a more personal trust and commitment was involved in what would be called living or true faith. And in fact, fiduciaries are still often called trusts because there is that connection in the language. So belief, trust, 
and then fidelity or commitment. Sam Todd, who's written a great introduction to the Christian faith, says fidelity is ultimately the meaning of discipleship. Christian faith is keeping faith with Christ day in and day out, year in and year out, even when I'm not getting any joy, peace, enlightenment, or consolation out of it. That aspect of fidelity, of faithfulness, is necessary for saving faith. Because we're going to have good times, and we're going to have in-between times, and we're going to have bad times. And we are called to trust God in all of our times. Now, the good news today is, is that God is giving us a birth from above, a new birth, to recreate us internally in order that we may do good works and glorify God in our own life and in our own time. Last week in the epistle of James, it says this, in fulfillment of God's own purpose, God gave us a birth by the word of truth so that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. That means a new type of creature that God could move and work in and through to do his will in his own creation, and he would be glorified in that. So, in fact, what we have, we have John in John 3, the new birth, the birth from above. James, the apostle, there is the birth the new birth by his word. And in Paul, Paul says this. Now listen to this. Because this is right in that passage where people want to emphasize faith so much. This is Ephesians 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not the result of works. So that no one may boast. And the people that want to emphasize faith, they stop right there. But you have to keep on going. The very next verse is this. For we are what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Now imagine that in that verse that is emphasized so much about faith and not works, Paul, in the very next sentence, says, We are the workmanship of God. This new birth from above is God's work in us, and we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And these good works are somehow, even in the foreknowledge of God, that we are supposed to walk in them. And anybody that knows right one, knows the final prayer, talks about the good works that God has prepared for us to walk in. It's just a quotation of this verse. Now Jesus, so you've got James, you've got John, you've got Paul, even Jesus. Even Jesus says good works are really good. Don't fear them. (laughs) Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand. 
and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Faith, living faith, true faith, always works itself out in love and good works. They always go together. There's no separation of them. So God is giving us a new birth from above. God is giving us something that we don't have in and of ourselves. It is a recreation on the inside. And that recreation makes us jealous and zealous for good works. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works, Paul says. That we would actually live in these good works as a way of life. It's the way of eternal life. And through these good works, God is glorified in the world. Now, this is actually the blueprint for our life. It is that we would come to know and to love God. That we would receive everything he's done for us to be saved. That God does this birth from above and this recreation of our hearts in order that we would do good works, in order that God would be glorified. Now, it's only taken me 57 years to figure this out. Because everything I'm supposed to be doing is for the glory of God. Not for the glory of Stuart. The good works that I'm doing are simply the outcome and the outpouring of God's work in me and my faith, and God gets the glory for all of those good works. So what we're called to do is this. Every morning, as an act of our belief, as an act of our trust, as an act of our fidelity and commitment, we are to give our lives over to God. Give our life and our will over to the care of God. To give him our appointment book. To give him all the people of the day. To give him our relationships, our work, our finances. And offer it to God and say, thy will be done. And in it, God will be glorified. Because it is God's will that he would be glorified as his plan and will works out through all of us in this world. And so we are truly blessed people because we have received a new birth from above to recreate our hearts created in Christ Jesus for good works. That people might see them and give glory to God in heaven. That's what Jesus says. Now, the exciting thing is this. Nathan and Korah are about to receive this birth from above. In their baptism, their old life is going to be transcended by the new life that they're entering into, into Christ Jesus. Now, it will be interesting to see how this recreation works in Nathan and Korah and what good works and what great cooperation they will have with God in their own life and time, and how each of them will glorify God 
by allowing faith to become good works in this world. Amen.